coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we welcome back Dr. Ken Berry. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. So what about the role of dairy? You have a good video on your YouTube channel. Is dairy scary? <laughs> Inflammation, obesity, and uh, the concerns around it. So talk about dairy. Yeah, so up until the time you're about four, five to six years old, Drinking dairy, I don't think is that big of a deal because all human babies for the, our entire existence on this planet drink milk up until about four or five years old. But at about that time, our biochemical machinery starts to shut off the ability to break down lactose, right? And so the majority of adults in the world, and when I say this in the United States, we're like, wait, what? The majority, two-thirds or more of human beings on the planet cannot drink milk. They cannot uh, break down lactose into lactulose and glucose. They can't do that. I mean, galactose and glucose. They, they, they don't have the machinery to do that with anymore. And so it's only a minority of people on the planet who can drink milk after the age of five or six or seven years old. That's a huge red flag that we probably shouldn't do that. Now, it looks like we are evolving the ability to do that for those of us who have been around a situation where we can consume milk as an adult, but that doesn't mean that evolution is complete. It doesn't mean that even if you can tolerate the lactose, the problem is, is that many of the bovine proteins and amino, are, are, and amino acids are inflammatory to many of us as an adult. And so if you just can't find a source of breast milk for your infant, I think it's fine to try goat's milk or sheep's milk, or cow's milk. If you try that, try to make it an A2. Cow's milk would be more likely to have less gastrointestinal problems. But I would strongly encourage anybody who's trying to breastfeed and can't to find a wet nurse, which I have a friend who's also breastfeeding and see if you can't buy breast milk from them. That's, a, in my opinion, a thousand times safer than switching your baby to formula and a hundred times safer than putting them on the, the breast milk of another mammal species. So is this also relevant to actually eating cheese? And if you are going to eat cheese, are there better variations of the cheese to have? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'll just tell you, I don't think that ingesting any dairy is ancestrally appropriate for adult human beings. Okay. Now I know all my keto and carnivore brethren and sister out there. I know, I know I love cheese too. Okay. But that doesn't make it ancestrally appropriate before about five or 6,000 years ago, the only time a human being ever ingested dairy products was when they were nursing their mother's breast. As soon as they were weaned for the rest of their life, they never ingested any dairy again for the rest of their life. So there's three components 
to milk, three macronutrients, right? There's fat, there's protein, and there's carbohydrate. And the carbohydrate is the, is the lactose, right? The galactose and glucose. So that's the biggest culprit, in my opinion, in dairy. The next is the protein. And I think for many of us, we are either a little bit or a lot of bit inflamed from the protein and amino acids in some dairy milk. Now, some of us don't seem to be bothered at all. Others of us can take one sip of milk and 10 minutes later, you're like, yep, that was a mistake. Even if it's lactose-free milk, many people cannot ingest it or they're going to have problems. So when you take all of the lactose, all of the carbs out, that helps a lot of people. And when you take most of the protein out, that helps a lot of people. So if you're talking about heavy cream or a real fermented cheese, then you're getting none of the lactose and you're getting very little of the protein in its native form. So the reason cheese turns from a liquid to a solid is because there's a microbe that the, the cheese maker, I bet there's a sexy word for that, but I can't think of it. They use this microbe to bend the protein molecule right? That's what the, the microbe eats up the lactose. And then basically the toxins of the microbe bend the protein molecule. That's what turns cheese in, from a liquid to a solid. That bending of the protein molecule seems to make it much more okay with many of us. And that's why a lot of people who cannot drink milk, they can eat cheese and it's not a big deal. But I think even for some of us, uh, real fermented full fat cheese is still an inflammatory problem, a bloating problem, and causes issues. Uh, I think the least offensive of the dairy products are butter and ghee, which are essentially 100% of the fat. The fat is the least inflammatory and the least offensive of all the macronutrients found in dairy. And that's why virtually anybody, even somebody with a severe lactose intolerance or almost a uh, anaphylactic response to some of the proteins in dairy, they can still eat ghee because it's 100% the fat. And so I think the worst criminal in dairy is the, is the lactose. The next worst criminal for many of us is the inappropriate bovine or caprine or ovine proteins that are, would not be found in human milk. And then the least offensive is the fat. Now, there are people out there who are, as adults, they buy human breast milk to drink if they're trying to, you know, bulk up. And I think if you're trying to become inappropriately muscular, that's probably a good hack. But so there, but we don't have a single incidence. We don't, we have no evidence in the paleoanthropological evidence that adults ever drink breast milk on a regular basis. So even that, although it, it's species appropriate, it's not age appropriate. And so when you're weaned from your mother's breast, and it looks like the hunter-gatherers did that at somewhere between three and six years of age, that's when you should be done with liquid dairy for sure. And then for many of us, all dairy except for butter and ghee. So uh, let's get specific to the types of cheeses, right? Because you said fermented, but what are some of those fermented ones that are less inflammatory versus those that are actually more inflammatory for cheeses? So the, the, the further it is removed from liquid milk, the less inflammatory it's going to be for most people. And so the hard cheeses like Parmesan, the cheeses that are fermented for a really long time, the very hard cheeses, those are going to be the least inflammatory for the most people. Now, notice I said least and most there, not any and all. There are some of us, right. and I'm one of these people, I freaking love cheese, man. I just, let me just go to confession here. Me too, freaking me too. love every kind of cheese on the planet. But if I eat too much cheese, if cheese is a daily food for me, 
I'm going to start bloating and I'm going to start getting a little bit of joint tweakiness and I'm going to start having Dunlap. That's where your belly start Dunlapped over your belt. <laughs> if I eat these on a daily basis. So for me personally, cheese has to be just an occasional treat, an occasional dessert after I've had my meat. And I think that many people, you know, when you first come to keto, you don't know, you know, S about F, as they say on uh, Ozarks. You, and so you got to learn. And a lot of people are taught, no, cheese is 100% keto. It's totally fine. Don't ever worry about it. But that's not true for all of us. And the, I think da the dairy experiment is, is one of the most powerful experiments you can do on a keto or a carnivore diet. Cheese is keto. Cheese is carnivore. No doubt about it. But that doesn't mean it's right for you. And so if you're still having weird chronic inflammation, weird gut issues, just can't lose that last 20 pounds, it's time to try a dairy-free month. And I think it's fine to keep butter or ghee in your dairy-free month, but you got you got to get rid of the cheese for a month and see if that's what's holding up your progress. It's such a good tip, Ken, because I've seen that work for a lot of people. And it doesn't have to be indefinitely. It could just be for the next 30 to 60 days. Remove it, see how your body responds, and maybe you could start to introduce it slowly. In, in my book, Keto Flex, the first pillar is I actually recommend that. Let's take out all cow dairy. Let's switch to sheep and goat, even that in moderation. And let's reduce inflammation as we get you into ketosis. So speaking of dairy and other in, hidden inflammatory keto foods like the vegetable oils, what are some other ones out there that are actually really surprising? surprising to people. They think it's healthy, although it's keto friendly in quotations here, but it actually could be inflammatory for more people. What are some more foods like that? I think another big one is nuts. Again, I love almost every nut. And when I say nut, I'm talking about true nuts, not peanuts. They are not a nut. It's they grow legume. under the ground. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah it's a legume. Uh, but I love nuts, all of them, especially cashews, of course, right? But uh, for some of us, it's just that nuts are still too carby. They have too many carbohydrates per 100 grams. And that's going to slow down your weight loss and slow down your progress towards your goal. But I think for many of us, the anti-nutrients in nuts can be quite high in, in phytates and lectins and others will just you just have continued chronic inappropriate inflammation if you make nuts part of your daily diet i again am one of these people if i eat as many cashews as i wanted every day i would start to gain weight within days and i'm i'm currently at 226 pounds which is the lowest and i'm 52 years old that's the lowest my weight has been since i was in my early 30s and wow. so you can understand that's kind of a victory, right? And I, I don't work out. I work on the farm, which is a pretty good workout, but I'm not in the gym an hour a day. I'm not doing any of that stuff. And so I'm pretty proud of that. And I sure don't want to mess that up. And so you might say, well, not eating cheese, that's pretty restrictive and not eating nuts. That's pretty restrictive. But what I consider uh, restrictive is if I were 52 years old and weighed 300 pounds and didn't want to go out side and feed the chickens because my damn knees and my back and my head were all hurting all the time and I was so fat that I had to walk with a walker at 52 that in my estimation would be restrictive and so if if what you're after is your most optimal health the most perfect version of yourself at this current age yeah for many of us nuts nuts on a daily basis right not not the occasional treat of nuts here and there which is probably fine because i think that also mirrors our ancestors behavior but to have think that you can have nuts just because they're low carb every single day of your keto life for many of us that's going to slow down your progress towards your goals
I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with the fun and knowledgeable and amazing Dr. Ken Berry. If you didn't listen to the previous two episodes, he was on the Keto Camp Podcast, episode 117 and episode 6. Go listen to those right now after you're done with this one. We'll put a link for that down below in the podcast notes. Please share this episode with a friend, post it on social media, and also leave the Keto Camp Podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It makes a big difference. Sending you love, sending you light. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.